Welcome back to Stoke Hunters, everyone. Join us tonight as we navigate the thrilling world of winter sports and adventure. In episode 11, we're excited to host Dan, a skier who transformed his passion for outdoor recreation into a thriving freestyle club at Sun Peaks Resort. Dan's journey isn't about just the slopes, though. It's about fostering talent, building community, and experiencing the flows of life. So let's welcome Dan. Welcome, Dan. Hello, Jared. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. How have things been? Good. Uh, just drove to Golden from Calgary, and I'm all set for a week of work in the mountains. So I'm super excited. It's puking snow here right now. Unfortunately, I won't be skiing. I'm actually <laughs> recovering from uh, ACL knee reconstruction from August 4th, 2022. So February 10th, fingers crossed, everything goes well with the surgeon and he'll prove me to go back to slope and to skiing and jumping and back to peak performance. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. So currently are you just like hanging out at the, on like the, the mounds of the jumps watching people like ski? So last season, yeah, I was judging. I became an international judge last season. I'm still working to be like a fully certified like judge to judge like fist competitions, but I'm well on my way. Um, so after my injury, unfortunately, I had to step down from coaching um, and I fulfilled an admin role duty with the club and I continued doing that. Uh, so that kind of kept me on board. Uh, but the following season, I decided to opt out to return to the club and offer up my position and they took my position and split it up into a couple of roles and hired on a couple of amazing coaches to replace me um, of through my time of absence up at sun peaks there um so the club is thriving uh without me being there which is excellent uh, <laughs> but i've seen my coaches on the circuit with judging i've seen the athletes as well uh so i never hold a biased opinion it's like whoever throws the best trick is going to be judged in that regard. Um, yeah. But otherwise, it's nice to just kind of like make those connections and see people out there and have such a big involvement. Because not only did I work for Sun Peaks, I worked in Calgary for a number of years. I worked at Silver Star as well. So I've kind of been all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And then I guess speaking of like your other times, can you tell us your early days and, you know, what led you to start the Freestyle Club at Sun Peaks Resort? Oh, yeah. Early days. Um, back in 20, 2009, started working at COP before it became Winsport full time. And prior to that, I used to be like a racer and I did a bunch of Nancy Green programs and then quickly outgrew that and got into like more jumps and bumps. And really enjoyed that and then turned around and started coaching the Nancy Green programs and did the racing scene and quickly found out that wasn't for me. Um, so I moved away from Nikiska where I was working uh, and I went to COP full time, six days a week. Uh, my first year I racked up 162 days on snow. Um, I was actually really excited about that. Might be 172, but I think 162. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, it was super fun. And then after that, I pursued going to college in golden uh, back in 2010, 2011. So when I moved out there, I was working for Kicking Horse before it turned into RCR. So I was super fun. And I did one season up there, had a blast. There's a train park, was able to do all my freestyle coaching and pursue my career and my passion. Um, as long as like I continued working like the day-to-day -day snow school operations and everything too, to keep myself full-time there, which is super excited while uh, going to college and working full-time at Ski Hill, like living the ski bum dream, honestly. <laughs> So 
my second year of college, RCR took over and they scrapped the train park. So that was kind of um, saddening to say the least. Uh, but in spite of that, coordinating with the snow school and the resort operations, we were able to host some like rail jams and some fun little events to kind of just build a quick temporary park on the magic carpet and kind of run it in the evening with some lights just around the village. So that was super fun. Um, they actually just did that again this uh, year, which was super exciting. So they're starting to like reintroduce it more. But that was like, we're talking a decade later and they're trying to get the park up. <laughs> yeah, I saw a petition the other day of people like getting people to sign it to bring the jumps and everything back to to RCR because, yeah. So, yeah. And I would say we had one last year too. Um, but it, it's interesting. Like everybody is a different, like Nikiska has got like Najibska and they got all these rails and boxes and features, which is exciting. Uh, Fernie has a thriving freestyle program and they just hosted their first timber tour last year and like must have been at least a decade. Um, so freestyle club, that's like almost your bread and butter is like hosting an event and having all these people travel to your club and come compete at your hill. Not only is it good for the club, it's awesome for the resort too to get that recognition and that business as well. Uh, so it was awesome for them to host an event. They did an amazing job. It was incredible. Um, so it's starting to get a little bit of a comeback. And then you look yeah. out east and then you get like a separate park pass to go into the train park and RCR is kind of doing that as well. But uh, anyways, back to topic. So after RCR, um, Love College decided to pursue uh, more endeavors, more education. So I moved to Kamloops to go to Thompson Rivers University um, while doing my degree in tourism management there. Uh, so while I was there, I was like, hey, I like instructing, I'll get a job for the ski hill. I was going pretty full time at the start, like three, four days a week. And then in the later years when I was pursuing my master's, it was like, way more full-time up at the resort running the club but in the early days there was no like freestyle program up at sun peaks they had an awesome um locals program on fridays and all the kids want to learn freestyle and i was like okay like why not create a program revolving around this and like the locals and then it just really grew from there um i can go on and on about it if you like <laughs> <laughs> for um, sure but uh so yeah it was starting the club it was exciting because there's there's no program so i created my own curriculum wrote up my own 10-week plan um had like almost like a quick like coach handbook that they can print off and take with them uh so it was really exciting like back in 2013 when i moved to kamloops so it was like by the 2014 season like 2013-2014 season i was like already well underway to be like okay i'm gonna make something happen for like the locals and for the resort and then was able to like pitch my curriculum to like our executive director at the snow school and he was all for it. And then he took that to the board and then it just grew from there and is okay, let's start implementing this on the weekends. So we we're doing it on the weekends, like an actual freestyle program, but again, like centered around the locals, which is super exciting. Um, mm -hmm. And then it just like kept growing. And then it was like 2014, 15 season. Um, the club was like growing within the locals program within the snow school and the numbers just like kept getting bigger and it was like, okay so by 15 16 season we had a demand for like going to competitions like these kids like these athletes of mine were like so good i was like we need to bring them recognition we need to reward their pursuits and their endeavors with being good athletes and i kind of pitched it to the parents and they were all for it so like okay let's let's go let's go do it and then uh, our director of snow school he's pretty supportive of it too but the resort wasn't able to compensate me for starting to travel right away. 
Um, so I was sleeping out of my Ford Escape. That <laughs> <laughs> was like that was fun. It was like I don't know. I learned a lot. Life changing. I learned don't leave your groceries under your car when you go skiing for the day because a dog will come eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it was, also yeah. I did that. I did that this this year when I was in uh, Fernie and Revelstoke and Vernon, and I was just traveling um, for a bunch of different events for Good Day Optics. And I was like, yeah, I'll just stay in my car because you know it seems fun, and everyone talked about it. Like, yeah. it it's a lot of fun. But what I find interesting is like how people like, you know, I I I chose to do it. Like some people don't have the option, but it's interesting how society, um, you know, looks down at people who are like car camping and stuff like that. It's like you know, they're having more fun and exploring the world more than you. Why are we looking down at them? It, you're correct. I like how you say it's a way of life. Nelson yeah. is the only place that I've gone camping in my car to wake up the next morning with more cars parked around me camping than when I went to sleep. <laughs> yeah. But but it is a lifestyle, and I've encountered people on the road like that. And then Nelson was amazing kind of thing just to wake up, and there's all these people camping out around me. So, okay. Because <laughs> for me in the wintertime, it's a matter of, really planning your day so you get to your destination and then you just kind of like have your sleeping quarters set up and you just crawl into your sleeping bag and call it a night then wake up the next morning find the first lodge that opens up to go warm up your boots (laughs) (laughs) yeah because uh ski boot plastic doesn't like like sitting overnight and cold (laughs) no certainly not but uh that's where i got a super nice pair of scarpas and then i went to solomon touring boot because um, I like to go backcountry winter camping and having a boot that you can just like open it up and step into it makes the world a difference. <laughs> I bet. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, speaking of Nelson, I don't. Have you seen the video on YouTube called a, a vibe called Whitewater? I have not seen it yet. So it's an old video and it talked about like the vibe of Whitewater and how it got built and everything. And what I thought was hilarious was like how they built it. They built when they built the lodge the first year because they, they explored it in their summer. They're like, this looks like a good area to ski. And then they built the lodge and then came back to it in the winter and they couldn't find it. And it got so much snow that it collapsed the lodge and they had to build it better the next year. Uh, but then it was talking about like the, their population is about 10,000 people. 7,000 of them have season passes to Whitewater. Like that's, that's incredible. That's the vibe that white and like right with all the there's more people who show up and camp around you than like it is a vibe and like for people who haven't experienced Nelson like you need to go. Oh, most certainly, yeah. And even like I've stayed in lodges there too, and their lodging and accommodations in town is amazing, and the restaurants and the apra life up there too. Yeah. Is just, it's very different than a lot of the resorts uh, across Canada. It's something else. So yeah, I like your suggestion. Go check out Nelson. Go to Whitewater. Yeah, and the then go is there's no cell phone reception. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll you'll have to take your photos and upload them to Instagram and TikTok after you get away from the resort. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I called I called Nelson or Whitewater the pillow capital of the world. Like you literally like can just like point your skis and hit four or five cliffs and do this multiple times on the same run. Like it's nuts. It is. Yeah, their their resort access is I want to say world renowned, but I don't know if people over in Austria and France and Italy have even heard of Nelson. <laughs> it's the world renowned secret. Yeah. That's <laughs> if, it. You, yeah. if you know, you know. We need to like how people talk about japan and like japao we need to figure out like a word for like nelson like maybe like napao or something like <laughs> like if you know you know and same with like have you been up to powder king in, up no, in I haven't. 
it's it's on the list yeah like most snow in north america and like this little rinky dink two-person chair and like another rinky dink two-person chair and like there's more people who have sleds out there than skis like so like the resort's usually always quiet but like man the snow is phenomenal oh it's incredible and it's neat because you have more and more places are opening up like sled access terrain but it's only like ski and snowboard terrain that you can access because it's so steep and so dangerous but it's awesome because the like groom sled tracks to go up there <laughs> um, yeah yeah it's like there's some incredible things happening out yeah. west like when you're talking about going up to like uh, Prince George and going up to <laughs> Powder King. Yeah, there's some amazing locations up there to go sled skiing. That's for sure. Nice. I'll have to pick your brain about that later. Um, yeah. But speaking of your your history and your early days, it seems like, you know, you, you followed your your passion of skiing for your, your whole life. For people who are just like, you know, either finishing high school or, you know, they just finished university and everyone always tells them to, you know, get, do the corporate life, get that job and then go like, enjoy your passion. What would you say otherwise? Cause yeah. My parents tell me that all the time, get a real job, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it's almost like an ongoing joke with the family. Cause I do so many other things outside of the freestyle club. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like, and maybe I'll get off topic, but it, it was awesome. Like, going back to my first days at apex and camping on the car once the parents caught wind they're like so supportive like no no come stay with us like we're going to feed you parents are coming up to me while i was coaching the kids and bringing me sandwiches and coffees and hot chocolates like oh geez like i just like needed to speak up kind of thing i learned after that point it's worthwhile to speak up every now and then um so it was awesome so for that season i just stayed with the parents i traveled with the parents stayed with the athletes got really connected with everybody it was, a, it was an incredible experience. So it was amazing to see like that culture and that community come together and how the parents supported me and the athletes supported me. Or like I can picture one of the athletes, I have to say his name, Morgan. He would ski up to me one time. He's like, here, Daniel, like I brought you a sandwich and there's like no mustard and no pickles. And I was like, oh my goodness, because I don't like mustard or pickles. But the day before, his mom made me a sandwich with mustard and pickles and I just ate it. I was hungry. I was like, I'm not going to argue this. It's free food. But I chatted with Morgan and told him that. And then he relayed that to his mom. And then she, he just uh, just made my day. It was incredible. And and even now, like, I can think of one. I'm going to have to mention his name, Charlie. Like, he's been messaging me nonstop on Instagram. He's like, I'm going to check it out. Can't wait to see the podcast. I can't wait to see you on Stoke Hunters. Is it going to be on Spotify? I won't make it uh, to the <laughs> live stream, unfortunately. But it's amazing. Like, uh, I just feel so humbled and so blessed to, like, have touched so many lives over my span of like my career um and then again to like be a judge and having these athletes and coaches come up to me and come say hello and see how i'm doing it's like it's an amazing culture an amazing community and even from like starting it with like sun peaks and like through the snow school and like the director at the time was so supportive and like me trying to be like innovative and create this and you could see my passion and through my passion i saw the opportunity and i just like sought it out and i was like okay like I'm going to make this happen. It's going to go somewhere. And then even like I stepped down from the club for a while and had some board members in place and they took it over. And then next thing you know, I was going back to the club because they would have me back. And I was like, okay, like <laughs> a break. And here I am ready to go renewed, learned from working at other clubs, learned how to change things and facilitate things better. Um, so it's just been like, it's been a whirlwind regarding it as like a job. It's, it's amazing to have made it like a full-time job. It took, 
lot of leg work and I found myself doing like, I don't know, 60, 70 hours a week, especially at Sun Peaks. When I started building mogul courses, I'd be up there at seven in the morning, going up the first lift with patrol, going to put up B netting and all the fencing that I took down the night before for the groomers to come in. And then I'd be there till eight, nine o'clock at night, working away, chopping moguls, shaping moguls. And then it's like, I'm not sure if you're aware, living in Kamloops, it's like an hour drive yep. from peaks. And on a bad day, it's like two hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, lots of friends made a real culture up there, I'd like to think, but it's just grown as a community. Um, so made friends, stayed with friends, saved myself a little bit of drive time every now and then. But it's yeah. amazing to see like it's thriving now. It's like doing its own thing. Our board members are still in place facilitating it. Um, so it's it's a full-time gig. And then after I stepped down, my role has been split up and you have a, two more people working full-time there. And it's like, it's amazing to see that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily always a full-time gig, but if you do the work, you can make things happen. Like even think of uh, starting up trampoline programs, got all my air certifications. Like, Hey, why not go to trampolines a couple of days a week? Hey, that will make it a little bit more full-time for myself and everybody and just give us a little bit more work. Cause realistically, in that realm of like freestyle, you can only do it a few days a week. And if you can like get Saturday, Sunday and bonus, and then like a Friday or a Thursday potentially, but then once mm -hmm. people turn 18, then it's like, it's awesome to see them turn around and go like full bore. And I have to give Charlie another mention. Now he's on the, the BC mogul team and he's just thriving and he's doing so well. So it's amazing to see like, what athletes are doing or they're coming back as coaches so many athletes i've taught in the past are now coaches at the club it's it's like a full circle it's such a <laughs> it's amazing to see that yeah yeah it's it's amazing when you you put your passion into something like your energy just goes into it but then i find it like gets like i don't know maybe it's just how like like life is supposed to be or like you know how like the little cosmic beings come together and like the dots or whatever because then it's like your 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 passion gets multiplied and then it just like infects other people to then continue it and make it even better yeah well and it's incredible and when you have the support from like the resort and then you have the support of the parents with their kids and taking them to the competitions and traveling or even just taking them to the resort to the ski hill every day to go skiing and even with this cold weather like seen post of the coaches doing indoor sessions and training with the athletes <laughs> good on you like that's like thinking on your feet and making things work it's uh it's amazing to see like yeah we always like to say it's like it takes it takes like almost a troop but more hands lighten the load kind of thing right yeah uh, so it's awesome like to see our volunteers up there working on our mobile courses and chopping away and hosting events like over the last few years we hosted so many events and that's something that the club had never done and I think all our board members and all our volunteers have like got it down packed now and they're efficient and they're quick and they know how to do it. And it's amazing to see that. So actually uh, February, uh, January 30th to February 2nd, there's going to be a Canada cup up there. Um, so I'll be up there hanging out, judging, which will be fun. And then it'll <laughs> be interesting to see what everybody gets to put down and reconnect with the parents and, the athletes and hopefully see some of the members up there coming to watch us over the weekend kind of thing. So it's awesome. It's definitely a community. Once you're involved in it and you stick around and go to judging, if you're not a coach anymore, you still like get to connect with everybody and have a little visitations when you're at competitions. It's uh, <laughs> it can be quite the scene. It's quite exciting. <laughs> I bet it brings everyone together. Um, but speaking <laughs> of moguls, I always thought like 
you know, you guys just like take them off in the summer, store them in like a shed and then like bring them back up in the, in the winter. You're telling me you have to shape all those. Yeah. So efficiently, like you, like there's so many ways to do it and I can go into like a detailed discussion <laughs> over the next three hours about building mobiles. But the easiest way to do it is you do it with a cat, you do it in sections and you just like push it up and build your alternating mobiles. But then you're left with these like huge mounds of like snow. <laughs> you have to go in and shape them by hand with a shovel. Uh, it's it's a lot of work and it's a strenuous task. But I learned it's like the minute the cat's done, I got to go to work. Because if I'm not up there shaping them right away, they freeze up overnight. And then you're left with these blocks of ice on the resort. And it's like, then it's <laughs> harder to work it. Those were some of my latest nights, like easily up there till midnight, one o'clock in the morning, shaping moguls. And it's like, as long as I got one lane ready to go, then people can come ski it and I can spend time working the other ones. <laughs> you just, people from the road will just see this like one random like headlamp on the, on the slopes. Yeah. <laughs> It'll well, be Dan even, shaping the mogul. Oh, I got to know the cat drivers so well at Sun Peaks, uh, the late nights working the moguls with them. And then eventually they'd take off to go do grooming and I just have to call them and let them know I'm going off the mountain. And then some late nights, they would be so surprised I was still up there. Or they'd touch base with me and check and be like, are you still up here? And be like, yeah, I'm still up on the run. Like, can you see me with my headlamp up here? <laughs> <laughs> but, but all in good fun and all for like the, the love of the club and the love of the sport to get something going for the athletes to train on. And it took a, like, that was, uh, I want to say like almost like a six, seven year task for me to even get a mogul course up there just like with hoops and barriers and just trying to please everybody to the extent where we were able to open up our mogul course and we were able to open it up to the public to go utilize it so they could go train and practice on it. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty fun. And my last season there, one of the parents like did a bunch of videos of me and then he made a QR code and then there was a link to all the videos on how to ski moguls and shape the moguls and help out with the moguls. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, if you, if you don't have something for the public to try, like, how do you get more people to potentially be interested in moguls or potentially interested in freestyle if there's nothing there for them to to try it, right? Yeah, most certainly. And I'm an advocate, go to snow school, get a lesson kind of thing. <laughs> oh, 100%, 100%. Like, I'm always amazed when people, like, ask their friends to teach them or, you know, like, take me down the mountain. It's like, you're just going to you're just gonna strain a friendship there or potentially if it's your girlfriend or boyfriend. Like, you're asking for that relationship to end. Like, go spend the 250 bucks. I, well, I don't know what it is after COVID. Everything seemed to shoot up. But, like, yeah. you know, in a, in three hours of a lesson, you'll learn way more than what you learned in, like, three to four weeks, if not longer. Oh, yeah. Especially on your own kind of thing. So, I'm, like, I love freestyle now. Like, before it was all trial and error. It's like, okay, we're going to go off the resort, go out of bounds, build the jump, and just, like, try backflip, try front flip. It's like, oh, maybe I'll, like, try going like Lincoln Loop or Misty. Oh no, I can't land backwards in powder. And then and then now with the facilities, it's amazing with airbags and water ramps. It's like, oh, I'm so envious of the kids because they don't have to hurt themselves. Like we had to back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I always did everything in powder. I would rather tomahawk in, in powder than tomahawk on a hard pack groomer. Yeah, most certainly. And if you lose a ski, it's, you'll find it in the spring. Yeah, well, speaking of that, I... Uh, my first powder skis were um, Armada ARTs or ANT, whatever their big like flotation ski was back in like the 2015s. And okay. then, yeah, I lost the ski in at Sunshine 
after like a 60 centimeter day we just couldn't find it it like when i came back in the summer it was like tucked into like this weird little shoot um, <laughs> but yeah i i came back got it or came down on one ski then went in another day flagged it so i knew where it was took gps coordinates and then came back in the summer when the snow melted and picked it up <laughs> that's my, well, I can, I won't, we have to get back to te- like questions and stuff but it's like that's my business idea is like you got to be able to track your skis with like your phone to be like using it as if it was like a beacon in the avalanche but it's like oh where's my ski let me find it with my phone <laughs> yeah I, i'd be curious of like i mean you could probably figure out how to um keep temperature because like that that's like the only thing right like the, the only reason why our cell phones stay alive is because they're in an insulated pocket yeah. so you'd have to figure out a way to um keep something insulated but i think you could probably do it with like a low level um like little tag but it would probably only last well actually you could probably do it exactly like your iphone now right like you know how you have that magnetic charger like yeah drop your ski on that magnetic <laughs> charger and then um, it'll be charged for the next few months or whatever. Or even if it only does it for a day, like just charge it up on your powder days when you know you're, the potential to lose it's high and then go from there. There, there we go. What, what would he call it? Like a good day to not lose a ski. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see that. We'll see that in 2026. <laughs> I like good plan. I'm all for it. <laughs> I wonder how many people have lost skis. Oh, I'm sure like I, when you look at the all the big skiers in Alaska and stuff, when they go tomahawking, I feel like the skis, they just leave behind and that's it. Yeah. But also they probably have a room full of skis instead of like nice maps like my friend Will and Ashley have. It'd be <laughs> a room full of skis. hundred <laughs> um, percent. So kind of when you started the club to now, what has it gone to from like size and then what kind of impacts has it had on the local and broader uh, winter sports community in Kamloops? I can honestly, from when I first started the Saturday programs for freestyle, I can name the five kids that are in the freestyle club. <laughs> but I, but if I recall from our board meeting, it sounded like we're sitting at 126 or just above that. And that's like with the skiers and the snowboarders and everybody with the club, but it could be as close to 150 now. So it's uh Come a long way, but but you're looking at like a, a strong decade of athletes coming through, and then now like turn the coaches kind of thing. I, I think of Charlie's example, like he's my one of my first athletes, and that's like ten years ago when I first moved to Kamloops in 2013, coaching the Friday local programs. He was on it, and then the minute I got the Saturday freestyle programs going, he was like on both days, and I was like, oh my word, like this kid is really committed and to see what he's achieved now it's like mind-boggling for me and i have to say it's like he's so old now i can go sit down and have a beer with him at the bar it's like like it makes me feel old too like i've been in this industry for so long (laughs) that's hilarious yeah so the club's like tremendously grown and i think like the business life cycle like we're still in the growing stages and like like from 2015 and now like pushing for an airbag and it's like getting so close and now we applied for this uh mckenzie peak top peak award and sun peaks resorts all behind it and it could be like a hundred thousand dollars for the club and then a bunch of other like local not-for-profit organizations too within the resort so like the money can really be split up in many different ways and be utilized 
by so many people, which would just be like tremendous to see kind of thing. Um, so it's just like ever, ever growing. And even to see the resort and the local population growing up there too, and meeting parents that have moved to Sun Peaks. Not, I haven't heard it like we've moved here for the freestyle club, <laughs> but I met parents that moved there for the mountain biking in the summertime and stayed for the skiing kind of thing and started a family there. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but Sun Peaks has a school on the ski hill kind of thing. Like who doesn't yeah. want to go to school and take a T-bar or take a magic carpet to go to school and go skiing at recess and get Fridays off to go skiing. Like it's pretty amazing uh, community yeah. up there. And, and I know like our, our board member, the like, majority of it's uh the locals from sun peaks and Kamloops, um and we even have expanded to the point where um we had athletes coming from prince george to come train with us and to seek our like expert guidance and our expert knowledge to be shared with their children and parents were like sought us out kind of thing um so it was amazing like it, it was incredible um so yeah i coached uh the prince george team for like multiple years and then now i passed on the torch which is awesome didn't necessarily want to do that but when you get injured it kind of happens and you're forced to <laughs> like i don't know taking a step back and rescoping life and life goals kind of thing um yeah. so i'm trying to stay involved as much as i can with the freestyle club and the resort and can't wait to be up there at the end of the month to go see everybody <laughs> yeah it'll be good especially when you you've been away for a bit that's it. That's it. And I can't wait to see what some of the athletes are doing across the board. Like, cause the Canada cup, it's like, they go as far as Nova Scotia all the way to Newfoundland and fly all the way up here to come compete. So I'm excited <laughs> to see what some of these uh, girls and guys will be doing in a couple of weeks. Super excited. That'd be sweet. It'd be curious to see like how much of an impact, like even just like bringing more people to the Hill, filling up like, you know, even potentially like slow weekends and bringing an extra revenue for Sun Peaks. It'd be cool to see the impact because like, you know, you're bringing people from Nova Scotia and Newfoundland and getting people to like know what Sun Peaks is because you started this freestyle club. Yeah, I actually, in the past when we had a timber tour there first ever, I strategically planned and placed it for like not interfering with any of the resorts events. So it's almost like a downtime for the resort. So there is more availability within the resort and like the hotels and airbnbs and all that kind of stuff um and i actually chatted with like the tourism group and got all the stats of like accommodations and bookings and everything so i could actually see the numbers and then dated it back like a few years to see how much money the resort could have potentially made based on occupancy rate yeah. um, so again it was like good figures to have for um the freestyle club is amazing and even for any freestyle club to be like look at what events can do and look mm -hmm. at the recognition the resort will get and like the, it benefits the club and benefits the resort it's not necessarily a huge money maker um for the club like i know paying for all the judges and their accommodations and there's a lot of overhead and expenses but it's like it's a matter of a fun event you put on for everybody and everybody gets some recognition at the end of the day um so yeah it's, i'm glad you mentioned that because it's it's been done i wrote a whole thesis about it <laughs> oh, that's sweet i'd have to read that um, it's 174 pages it's quite long <laughs> jesus is that how long a normal thesis is for a master's i don't know mine was yeah. thorough i wanted i wanted to make a good presentation because again <laughs> it's proving like the viability and sustainability of freestyle clubs um yeah so i did my research and it was amazing doing that thesis i was like I looked at a huge broad scope. I looked at like Australia and New Zealand and the United States. And I was like, what are, what's everybody else doing outside of Canada? And what they were doing is like, whoa, like 
we're decades behind what these guys are doing. So it's been fun to implement some of those things through the freestyle. <laughs> so who, like when, like when you did your thesis, who, who was like the number one club or the number one ski community that you saw out there? Hmm. Excellent question. Um, big White's got a really big freestyle club. Silver Star does as well. Um, but I think in even out east, like there's a couple like local, like private organizations, like four private organizations that are like peaking 300 athletes kind of thing. And same in Quebec, like Quebec, the one thing that they really incorporate into their freestyle that nobody does out here is the aerials. Um, so seeing that out Quebec and Ontario, it's like pretty amazing to see that because we don't have that out here. Nobody trains aerials, um, out west from my knowledge and i've been around here for a decade now <laughs> so uh, yeah it's uh, like i don't know i want to say like sun peaks is the best but honestly like big white's pretty amazing they got an awesome community they have huge programs i've been there some weekends when they got their programs going it's like hundreds of kids filling the resort and it's like incredible to see that and all in their orange like they all have matching uniforms it's like pretty amazing to see that um, it's quite, quite the cohort um but i think like for like, if I, if I, I can't, I don't, I could mention names, but it's like, I think like some of the Ontario clubs for what they deal with out there with snow and everything, their, their feats are incredible. Like with building jumps and parks and stuff, it's amazing to see what they're putting out there. Even for events locally, they're thriving, which is incredible. Cause again, like this year, look at Blue Mountain, December 28th, they weren't open. Uh, out in Collingwood because they had no snow. So <laughs> I think knowing what they've been able to do over the years and seeing those guys and girls come out and compete in like the West and come and hit the big jumps, it's amazing to see some of the athletes they're producing out there. Um, so if I can honestly say, like, I don't think one club is better or worse than another. I think it's just like they're all different in their own ways. There's no industry standard, really. It's yeah. just a matter of like get your coaches, get them on board, and if you can retain them, good on you um yeah. and also we really focus and thrive and strive to do at sun peaks and trying to help coaches with their endeavors pursue more certification things like that um get yeah. them to sign contracts and stuff get them to stick around it's nice especially when you have the locals like yeah it's nice to see them stick around so uh <laughs> yeah it's like all the clubs just are doing such an incredible job i'm i'm, I'm if i'm proud of all of them <laughs> yeah 100% yeah um, and like speaking of clubs um, what is, um, working with young athletes done to like influence your personal growth? Oh, young, young athletes can be challenging, but they can be a ball of fun too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like for me, like the, the most rewarding thing for me, like teaching the young ones is like bestowing a leadership role on them and be like, Hey, you know what? Like you're going to lead the group group down, take them down the mountain and like pick a safe location to stop kind of thing. Um, and if you can get them to tell them you in advance, perfect. Otherwise, just like, you know, just go ski and just stop somewhere safe. And it's awesome. Um, and then every now and then it'd be like, you know, maybe pick a skill for us to do as we go down the mountain, be it jumping or spinning 180s or 360s, like anything really. So it's kind of it's kind of nice. And I like doing that early on. And it just like helps them get a sense of leadership and they don't necessarily even understand it or know it. And for me, it's like, that's rewarding. Um, but But even with the young ones, it's like, when you get to a certain age, you almost like hit like a barrier and you can't progress anymore. I'm, I'm like, that is like my last front flip I did was back in 2013. Um, and then now it's like with injuries, like I never know if I'll flip again, but I'm going to try. I got to go make sure I try. 
but with the young <laughs> ones it's like just like the sense of like the aha moment where like oh like i did the 180 or like i got the grab it's like th that sense of achievement is like incredible for you and for them but also it can be like a real struggle like if they're not getting in it, it's just not clicking then you really have to like get on their level and like get on one knee and be like you know what it's like okay like we got the whole season to get this trick down like you'll get it eventually it's just it's going to take hard work and dedication and if you can help them understand that then it's like kind of reassuring for them um especially like for parents it's like essentially it's like you're competing with yourself forget about what the other athletes and everybody's doing like compete with yourself do the best for yourself and as long as you know you can go out there and do the best you can do then you got to be satisfied with that really um mm -hmm. The young ones are fun. Yeah. Oh, who's so fun? Snowball fights all around. <laughs> <laughs> They're always so funny. Um, I remember when I was skiing at Snow Valley out here in Edmonton. Um, the, the, like it was like I feel like the average age of like snow sports on the hills is like 15 or 14 <laughs> maybe even less at the local hills because none of the adults come out because they're like, why would I come out? But it's like night skiing is so much fun. Like I would rather do that and work on my rails and my jumps than like watch gray's anatomy for the fifth time <laughs> well and that's where big white always impresses me because they have a chairlift just for their train park and then to see their athletes up there training in the evenings and just like going non-stop and i've seen it at sun peaks we got a little like platter of the kids go on and it's just like non-stop like 24 7 like train 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 like some some kids some athletes show true dedication um which is awesome. But then you got to have the recreational fun part of it too, right? Oh, hundred percent. Cause I always say like, I don't know, like I just picked up mountain biking this summer. Like before that I didn't ride, like I had a bike, but I never really like rode and I probably hadn't rode for like 12 years. And then I was starting to do like 20 kilometers every day. Um, but like, Oh yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry. I was brain fart, but um, <laughs> like, you know, I, I started bringing out more people at like, I would do rides at 645 in the morning before everyone went to work. And I would just get all these like business guys and like, you know, people who are talking entrepreneurship and like starting their things. And it's like, you know, I focused more on having them have fun and have a community there. Cause like, if I was five minutes slower, it meant I could have more people having fun. Whereas if I'm five minutes faster, I'm still like five days slower than like all the Red Bull athletes. So it doesn't really matter, but then I have no one to ride with. <laughs> Well, I've listened to your podcast with the the mountain biking communities, and it's like I I, I love mountain biking. We we talk a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like I don't know, like there's always going to be a better athlete than you. So why don't you just like let anyone come out come out and do it? And especially like with skiing and mountain biking, I feel like sometimes it gets a little gatekeepy for some people. Like they're like, oh, you can't like you know you're a beginner, you can't like find my secret stash or you can't do this run. Cause like, you know, I, I grinded for seven years to find this run. It's like, well, no, like bring more people out, share the stoke. Let's, let's like make it more enjoyable rather than like, you know, like I remember when I started, like, you know, I made sure all my like clothes matched and, you know, I didn't have a goggle gap and all this other stuff. Like maybe let's not have our beginners have to focus on like making sure they fit in rather than like just focus on having fun and they can fit in once they figure it out but <laughs> the, that brings up so three general rules i have with the freestyle club and hopefully it still resides with them rule number one safety rule number two is fun and then progression yeah. right 
And if you can get progression, that makes it fun. But like fun, always got to have fun. I like, and I'm an advocate for flow state and living in the present moment and like skiing, mountain biking, climbing, kayaking, anything, any sport. It's like when you're, once you're within that moment, like you're living in that time and like, how can you not be grinning like ear to ear kind of thing, right? No matter how slow, how fast you're going, it's just like you're, you're in there in that moment, like on the ride of your life, essentially, <laughs> no matter what you're doing, right? And that's, yeah. that's with the young kids, like I think of with them, it's like, when you see them achieve that state of mind and they're not really thinking, they're just going out there and doing and having fun. It's like they they've achieved that flow state and now I can pass it on to them. But with the young ones, it's hard to get them to like understand that. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I heard it was another person talking about their kids in sports. And like, you know, sometimes when young athletes don't get something, they want to quit. Um, yeah. And he said it, they, they said it best. Um, they're like, you can quit but it's going to be a good day that you quit. You're not allowed to quit on a bad day. Yeah. And then that's, that's when you know whether or not you want to quit something. Cause like everyone wants to quit on a bad day, but yeah. it's, you know, it's something if you want to quit on a good day. And <laughs> oh, it, it makes me think of one of my athletes. She was kind of coming to the end of her rope and she's like, you know, I'll do like one more circuit of the timber tours. And she got gold medals across the board. I was like, why are you stopping? She's like, ah, I'm kind of over it. She's like, super into other things now but i was like I, I couldn't believe all the medals she got in her last season but, but that's what i like that is like what a good way to do it like end it on a good day like that's awesome yeah. that's tremendous i like that yeah um but uh, yeah so yeah you've listened to a few of the mountain biking podcasts so you probably heard me talk about like how i want to do a woo duro mm, yes so instead of an enduro where it's just like on speed we'll have decibel readers um and then the loudest woos is how you win it and then you dress up in costume but i feel like we should do it for like ski sports too like we should have a slope style but it would be like it, you know you do your misty or you do whatever and you still have to woo and whoever like yeah who's ever the loudest is gonna gonna win it but that'd be hilarious <laughs> i like that calgary is something maybe similar but they don't measure the decibel levels but they call it the snow rodeo um yeah. so i was like yeah they, they could do it during that event that could be good <laughs> that'd be sweet um so as you've built sun peaks freestyle club and everything um who or what has been your biggest inspiration in your journey with winter sports Ooh, that's a good question honestly like my parents like my parents got me into skiing and put me through all my lessons when i was younger they supported me through like my coaching career when i got my first certifications and then they just kind of like grew from that, like from the director of Sun Peaks. He was awesome. When I went back to COP and one of the old snowboard coaches was then like their director and he kind of recognized me and remembered me. I'm um, even to working to Silver Star with uh, their director there and all their athletes. It was pretty inspirational. So it's like I got like um, quite like a few mentors in my life that were like really impacted me and like the way I coach or the way I facilitate things with the club. Um, so it's not just like one person, it's like always forever changing, even like being at college and teaching last week and like running into my program director there. And he like inspired me to like do a bunch of different things in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Oh, awesome. Okay. I like, what a good <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, it was like, I'm always like, I have my opinions, but everybody's opinionated. And I like to listen to what people have to say and, and it can impact you meaningfully or you can just kind of like in one year out the other year and not really listen to it. Right. It's just, everybody takes it how they do. It's like everybody's lives are shaped 
reflect on like their past experiences and their past traumas kind of thing. So like, yeah, honestly, like my parents, that would be the big one for me to like continue pursuing it now. It's like really on me and the injury. It's a matter of like, okay, like what, where do I see myself like a few years down the line and five years down the line? It's like, could I continue coaching? I was like, probably could to a certain extent, but I'm happy I pass the, like the torch on to like other coaches that are doing an amazing job and maybe I'll stick around and become the president. Cause I have to say our president of the sun peaks club, he's phenomenal. He's done an incredible job since he started out and he continues on doing it just cause I think he loves the club and loves the sport so much. And I honestly am continuing doing on to him. He's like, <laughs> Our president, he's an inspiration to me. And I think to like a lot of our board members. Um, so he does a phenomenal job. And it's like, yeah, I got to do that too. So uh, yeah, we we'll can see what's in store for me once I'm healed up. Maybe some spring camps. I definitely want to do some. <laughs> Did, uh, um, have you seen those videos of that one professional skier who dresses up as an old guy and then like spins the huge tricks into the terrain park? Yeah. <laughs> I feel well, like you should just be like the Sun Peaks version of that. Like dress up as this old guy in jeans and then like that'll be that'll be like how like the coaches of Sun Peaks will talk about you. That they'll be like, Yeah, you see that like old 67-year-old guy who's skiing there, you'll still be like, you know, this will be next summer, next winter. But it'll be like, Yeah, that's who started the 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 freestyle club. <laughs> well, I like yeah, hot dog hands is his name. I could be like hot dog dance. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it's hot dog hands, you should be dynamite Dan. Oh, dynamite Dan. I like that. And wow. then you could just get rid of the the beard and then just have like big thick chops flowing out with like oh yeah like just get rid of this kind of thing and just yeah. have the big chops come around yeah yeah <laughs> just like get rid of it all and have like the old mutton chops from like back in the 20s and the 30s. yeah have the big the sharp line sideburns yeah maybe starburns <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so speaking of like coaching and teaching how do you adapt your style to meet different uh, athletes and student needs? Uh, excellent question. Um, so everybody learns differently. Um, I've learned that over the years. Um, so you got to essentially know like what kind of leader you are and what works best for you and then adapt your talents relative to like the needs of the others. Um, so again, it's like, figure out how they like to learn. Do you like to like, think about things? Do you like to talk about it? Do you like to just go out and do it? Do you like to go out and like, feel it? And you're like, oh yeah, I can like feel the grip of the rail. It's like, oh yeah, I just like did that backflip and I could like see when I needed to spot my landing kind of <laughs> thing, right? So like visual learning, it's like, there's so many different types of learners. And it's a matter of like, you got to find out like what the athletes are, what kind of learners they are, and then play to those strengths of them, right? Um, same with my past coaches, like figure out what kind of leaders they are and like play to those strengths of those coaches. But it's a matter of being able to like identify those kind of things. Um, mm -hmm. Good interpersonal skills goes a long way. That's for sure. <laughs> 100%. I think it's like having like, I don't know, it, it like being in Alberta, I think it's a little interesting because like, you know, we're so like, it seems a little polarized some days. Like, you know, we have like city and then we have rural. And it's like when you actually, if you would put two people together, they would have way more in common than what the internet and TikTok makes them think of how different they are. But it's like, yeah, it's like same thing with teaching. It's like, yeah, we have more in common with everyone and just like listen to where they're coming from. And then you can usually have like 
the conversation go together and it's yeah. not very vastly different but like i remember one conversation um i was at an event in edmonton and they were talking about how like these guys were like super right wing and they were they were talking about how um oh it was like oh what was it it was like trans population was like skyrocketing and all this other stuff and they were like getting super offended or something and then that we like looked at the data and it was like because like other like if someone just clicks other then it that like they're automatically filtering that data into like being like lgbtq and it's like well no other can just be like you didn't want to tell anyone whatever but it's like this so it was like skewing this data but then like the media like portrays it so badly and then it's like when you take the second to stop and listen and look it's like yeah it changes things vastly um, yeah of, of course you see it all the time right 100 <laughs> percent um give them an but, inch we'll take a mile yeah <laughs> well I, I, and like speaking of that like i remember like we were talking about how like school like because like now you hear like oh they're like you know they're indoctrinating the they're making everyone left wing and all this other stuff and like schools are you know too inclusive and i'm like i asked them i'm like do you have sisters growing up and i'm like and they're like yeah and i'm like did you play dress up with your sister and they're like yeah of course everyone did and i'm like so why did that stop oh it's because society said this it's like well wouldn't it be better if like you know you could just do whatever you did without having judgment and they're like oh that does make sense oh okay but it's like they don't like you 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 need to take a second to think about it sometimes but well and of course and it's like how the it's perceived too right and like the perception of it yeah 100 percent um but getting back into skiing and community, can yes. you share it? Can you share a story where community support played a crucial role in an athlete's success? Uh, well, yeah, I think of like all of our events, like up at Sun Peaks, and like you have so many people from the general community that come out for the events to come, like see what the local talent's kind of doing. Um, yeah. I think the big biggest one I can think of is. In the past, up at Sun Peaks, we'd always have like a big air invitational at New Year's. Um, so myself and like a bunch of the other local good riders would be invited and put on this big show. Um, but in recent years, like the last couple of years, it's kind of changed to like the Sun Peaks Freestyle Club athletes, like going on and putting on a show for the locals, which is awesome. And then to see like the resort behind that and the community behind that and everybody just being there, I think that's the best example I could think of within recent years like most certainly yeah like even this past winter i think it was a massive turnout and then fireworks and everything afterwards right but uh, i think that's that's one of the biggest fun in any event we have up there you have so many locals that are retired that are just looking for something to do and happy to volunteer their time which is awesome we can't thank those people enough for their support <laughs> and i bet having all those people come out just like fuels the stoke for the the athletes oh yeah most certainly um, and I even think like we're always trying to, the resort and everybody's trying to put on like fun local rail jams and events and trying to give out prizes to everybody kind of thing. So it's nice to see like the resort backing it and the community because some peaks like resort is a real community up there. It's phenomenal to see. It's definitely different than a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, it's always cool when you get like a whole village. Like, is it is Sun Peaks a village? Yeah, it is. It's like got their own medical center and fire department. And it's like it's their own like they got a mayor and everything <laughs> that's that's impressive um so with the young athletes and everything what advice do you give them for like handling pressure and expectations as they compete and grow oh that's that's a good question uh, the big one i would 
give them as advice is like keep keep it fun don't let the mm -hmm. pressure get to you it's like you gotta have fun with it and i think of like part of my pep talk with that is like if you look around there's nobody there there's no jerry's that are gonna cut into your landing there's no jerry's that's gonna cut you off from hitting your rail just go out and have fun with it you like you've gotten good practice runs and everything it's like go out and enjoy it kind of thing like do it for you kind of thing i was like yeah. model, do what you love love what you do kind of thing and then we yeah. always end up with like fist bumps or high fives everybody had their own secret handshake kind of thing and it's like there you go like that kind of eaves off the pressure and then big one too like pet peeve of mine is like they're always like three two one like dropping and it's like okay, it's not a race like you don't have to go the minute they say drop it's like if you want like slide in get your music going set yourself up <laughs> and then go like don't take 10 minutes but it's like don't go the minute they say go like go when you're ready like go after you give me that last fist bump for that last high five and then that's your cue to go kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and I kind of like that, like saying kind of like, that. like again, there's so many, like I call it being nerve sighted. It's like you're nervous, but you're excited at the same time. And that can like really throw an athlete. And it's a matter of like being there to let them know. It's like, there's always like tomorrow, there's always another competition. It's like something goes wrong. You have a second run kind of thing. It's like, you always have two, like I like it, like all the times they say like, two times for the good times right so it's like two high fives or two fist bumps like think of the good times that was always always what i said two times for good times <laughs> and, and then when i recently ran into a coach and he and he's like yeah you know you said something to me like years ago dan and it just like stuck with me and he, and he reminded me of that and i was like holy geez i forgot you used to do that all the time and it's like but that's like what worked for him and he started doing it again with that. He's like, yeah, that's it. You get two runs. It's like, it's all about the good times. It's all about the good days, right? Yeah, 100%. 100% all, all about the good days. I just want to see an athlete, though, like, because, like, you know, when they say three, two, one drop, and you're like, you can take your time. I want to see an athlete come with, like, the 80s boom box and just, like, come ski up to it, let his, like, hype music play, sets it down, and then goes and does its run. I think that'd be hilarious. Yeah. That and I, apolo I apologize if all 140 of your athletes then go do that for the next competition. The, the best one I had an athlete pull out his tooth right before dropping on his mogul run. It's like, am <laughs> I bleeding? And he smiles at me and his, oh, all his teeth are covered in blood. Like, the <laughs> smile at the judges when you jump next to them. <laughs> Intense points. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could, we could do a podcast on just like things that happen in the start gate like behind the scenes of freestyle with athletes and with coaches it's you should that that that's where you're transitioning to you can have a podcast called start gate and you'll just like locally film it like you'll pick an athlete from every competition or maybe like have like five or six of them and just do like a a 10 minute like quick conversation and see if anything wild comes and that that'll be you well, all I would do is just ask a coach and an athlete if I can just put a mic on each of them to record their <laughs> conversation. Like where they were, uh, I forget what, I think it's Chasing Sage or someone where he mics up his kid um, when they go snowboarding in like that dinosaur suit. Yeah, just like that, but within yeah. the start gate. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Dynamite Dan and start gate. I'm all for it. Let's can you share a success story of an athlete who displayed remarkable resilience? Oh, I said his name earlier. I'll have to give him another mention. Charlie, uh, I'd say his last name, but I don't know if I should. But anyways, Charlie, it's awesome. Like, met him 10 years ago. He grew up 
skiing with his parents, got into freestyle. The first kid I ever tobogganed out was with him at Apex Mountain when he fell on his tailbone. Um, and now he's on the BC team. It's like, it's a, it's amazing. Uh, BC mogul team. And he's killing it. He's such an incredible skier. But that's not the only mention I can give. I have to give it to, uh, I'm going to say his name full, like Justin Rokosh. Um, he's an incredible athlete. I had the pleasure of teaching him and watching him do some of his first doubles ever. And then he went to the BC Park and Pipe team. And then he turned around and came and worked for us at the Freestyle Club while going to Thompson Rivers University. He's still going to university. I think he must be in his third or fourth year now. And he's like directing some of our programs up at Sun Peak. So he went like from athlete to major athlete and then turned around and he's coaching now and doing a phenomenal job. And he's running our Instagram page and everything. So like kudos to him. Like he's stuck around for the long haul. And, and Charlie too, like even like when he was like 16, he's turned around. He, not only was he like training for like BC mobile team, he was like coaching for us too on his days off. And if he was at Sun Peaks and not away at Apex training. So like, yeah, those are two guys I got to give some major kudos, like I, uh, specifically because they've stuck around for so long within the freestyle. Yeah. And Charlie's seen it grow. Like for using the top five for athletes kind of thing. Like I have a photo of us having the first ever uh, Sun Peaks freestyle club barbecue at a do tour it was due tour amateur and they all have these like huge xl t-shirts on that are going down to their ankles like so, so cute and adorable but it's crazy and now he's like 10 feet tall he like towers over me like god blows my have you, have you had any um athletes get close to heading to the olympics yet those those could have been too. Like he, even J Justin switched over to snowboarding, and he should become our snowboard coach because he's an, a phenomenal snowboarder. Like he's doing doubles on skis, and he's like gonna take it to the snowboard within the next year. <laughs> like he's a phenomenal guy. Um, but yeah, like Charlie, like maybe, like maybe one day there we have some young guns that are like thir 12, 13, 14 that are going to the Canada Cups that are working on doubles at 13, like working on doubles and taking them the snow. It's like, oh, my mind's blown. I was like, yeah. don't hurt yourself so that you can go to the Olympics and pursue that career. <laughs> that has. But I've been with athletes at their like worst, like bad days, like kneecap explosions or like broken femurs and things like that. And that's like horrendous to see. And they bounce back. But I feel like when they get to our age, they might not bounce back and that could be like jeopardizing to their career. So I just hope that never happens to them when they're young so that they can really get into their 20s and their 30s and we can see where their career goes kind of thing. <laughs> I need to get their autographs sooner rather than later because sometimes I think they're going to be so big that they're going to forget about me and I'll just be watching them on TV and be like, Look at these guys go. <laughs> you'll have to get you'll have to get them to sign the 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 photo of them in the in the do tour shirts, and then get them to get a photo in a new do tour shirt when they compete in it professionally. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll I'll need you to coach uh, Addison when she gets older um, to get her into the Olympics. My little most daughter. certainly <laughs> oh, uh, i meant to say at the beginning but yeah congratulations on the newborn addison that's exciting oh, i'm yeah. sure she'll grow up skiing and mountain biking no matter where she is i'm sure <laughs> you're gonna get her into it hopefully i'm already looking forward to buying the shotgun seats so she can sit on the handlebars when we go mountain biking <laughs> oh awesome there you go yeah. oh you can even just like do little jumps and stuff with her too yeah. that'd be perfect yeah. and get the little well the thing that's wild is like like because like we're similar age like 
we had to learn bikes with training wheels and like they were massive and like imagine like the strider bike like how much better we would have been at biking if we could have had our balance before it's a game changer for kids like yeah here in golden we have a pump track and it's amazing to see the little kids get going and once they're going they can like sustain themselves and like go through a few of the whoops it, yeah it's yeah. Again, it's technology, life, everything changes for the better. Like, yeah. oh, more training wheels, forget that jazz. Yeah. So speaking of that, what trends do you see shaping the future of uh, winter sports? Oh, my goodness. Trends. Being a judge, we could talk about this for a whole other podcast. I was like, <laughs> it, well, in the realm of freestyle skiing, it's amazing. Like, I'm sure you've heard of, like, the 2160s and things like that. It was yeah. mentioned on one of your podcasts. But it's like seeing what other guys are doing that aren't like that, where guys are doing, like, like a double cork and then going for triple, but then they do like a midair revert and like stop it. And you're like, what, what just happened? And yeah. you're like, okay. Okay. Like, I think I got it. And then even like, you know, the 2160 for the skier, you like did it. And he went up to everybody's like, that was a 19. And like, no, that was a 21. He's like, no, no. And they're like, yeah, you just spun 21. And he didn't even know. Right. Like, oh, I, I, it's so wild. Like how many spins we have now. Cause like, I remember when I was growing up, like 10 and 12, like 1080s were massive. Mm. <laughs> it was. So now it's like it's it's taken like a different direction. It's like almost like trying to get like uncorked, but to see like, okay, like how goofy can we get in the air? Like they're almost like trying to play tricks on the judges to be like, guess what this is? And you're like, <laughs> that, that looked really cool, but it looked a little bit sketchy kind of thing. I um, would, I would <laughs> love to see someone like just like, take a jump cork a little bit and then like um like flounder fish and then land <laughs> that's a good one we, we we have one i can't like display it but like there's a trick called like the fish out of water on skis yeah. and it's just like you just like pencil and you just like try and rigor yourself as much as you can in there it looks absolutely hilarious <laughs> yeah i think that sounds about what i was trying to describe yeah, that's the thing. But that with the flip, I was like, yeah, that, that would be pretty cool. It almost looked like you're having a seizure midair. Yeah. <laughs> I also love the old school tricks. Like nothing beats a, a spread eagle or a daffy duck. Yeah. Oh, my my favorite one's like a cowboy where it's like you spin 360 and just like pulls in between your legs as you're spinning. That's such a good one. Um, you know, like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just wish I did yoga when I was like in my teenage years. So like I was flexible. So then now I could like actually grab things. Um, but I think it would be amazing to be able to like do the splits and then grab your, your skis from both sides and then just spin a 360 or spin as many as you can while doing the splits. You can still do it and you can do it into an airbag. All you need are a pair of tele skis and it doesn't matter how unflexible you are. You can do it with a pair of tellies. <laughs> I have a trick. I'm, I should actually do it, get it on video to like claim it as my trick, but I call it the mouthful. And you like grab your skis when you're telling, and then you just like pull the skis and like put them in your mouth. And it's called the <laughs> mouthful. There you go. Dynamite Dan. That'll be a signature trick. Well, yeah. I was thinking like, yeah, they call you. I'm, I've been known for many names, but Daffy Dan used to be one of them. <laughs> You could just have a, a full Canadian tuxedo and then have like a giant dynamite embroidered on the back. I like that. And like a nice big white beard kind of thing. Yeah. White long yeah. hair. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Dynamite with like a, a big bright 
um, yellow like triangle or an orange triangle on the back. Oh, and then like a sign underneath that says like kaboom. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was thinking to your question, like, yeah, where's freestyle going? I think it's only going upwards. I think it's getting more recognition now, especially with the Olympics and stuff. Um, so I think it's just on the up and up. Most clubs are growing. When I did my thesis, it sounded like all the clubs were doing pretty well and nobody showed signs of a decline in the industry, which is really good. Uh, so I think it's just going to keep on keeping on and it's going to be amazing to see what some of the pro athletes start putting out for tricks this season because there's some amazing things out there. But I'm liking the style now that it's kind of getting away from the triples and it's like, okay, how like creative can we get or how innovative can we get with our tricks to set ourselves apart um, from the rest of the athletes competing? So that's what I'm all about. I like style. Well, look <laughs> I, at, yeah, like look at Henrik Har Harlow and like, I would even think like, I could be wrong. Like I know Candid Thorvex threw out some massive tricks and threw out some massive stuff, but I think he was always throwing it down like innovative, like runs and like, you know, doing like, like the last three, um, like what was his big videos that he launched like a few years ago, like where he'd go down the hole. Uh, I forget the name, but you know, where he like 360 over a helicopter and like all that other stuff. Like, Oh, you're talking about candid. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot what it was. I can't remember. But I know the ones you're talking about. It's but right. Like it, he, he never, he never was spending 21s. He was doing like good shit and then doing it cool. Mm -hmm. Like, well, that I don't know if you've seen it, but that's why I really like watching X Game Real Street, where it's just like guys trying to put in a like one minute video clip and put in as many like banger shots as they can and show as much like progression and differentiation within all their truck uh, tricks within that one segment. It's pretty amazing. Um, so it's <laughs> like, yeah, I, I suggest checking the X Games uh, Real Ski out, even like the snowboarding. And then they did one for dirt biking too in the streets. It was amazing. Anyways. Um, maybe getting off topic, but there's lots of cool stuff out there. Oh, I can, we, we should do another podcast on just talking about skiers and things like that. Uh, well, remember um, JP Eau Claire's um, film where he went, speaking of back to Nelson and Re and Roslyn, like that, yeah, he did it in, he did it in, was it in Nelson he did it or was it in Roslyn that he did it? So there, there, there's, there's two, there's one done in Roslyn and one done in Nelson as well. Oh. I yeah. mean, just do both because they're both amazing. Areas. The, one, the one in Nelson, uh, Tom Wallace was there for that one as well. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah. And then speaking of like, you know, how freestyle and, you know, more um, clubs are getting more people and, you know, probably being a more diverse group of people. Mm -hmm. um, can you share an experience where embracing diversity enriched the club's culture? Oh, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like diversity within culture, but I haven't seen much in that regard. But like, I think a big culture change for the club with its locals of Sun Peaks was like accommodating the Kamloops locals and then kind of facilitating events to have all parties come together, um, mm -hmm. which was kind of cool. And that worked out really well. And then I think another culture change kind of would have been like the Prince George crew starting to come out and then kind of introducing them to all the members of the club, like parents and athletes. And again, trying to like blend those athletes with our local athletes where they're all really good friends. And you have like this Prince George group that's just been kind of like thrown. Together <laughs> with them. 
Um, but yeah. actually, it worked out really, really well. And even like the Prince George athletes were like such advocates for being leaders to like the younger kids because for their level of skiing, they were like as good as some of like the 10 and 12 year olds within the freestyle club. So they got to ski with a lot of the younger kids, but it was a good push for them because they got to see like how talented some of the kids coming out of Sun Peaks were at such a young age. And so, and now they're like traveling together and like these young kids and these old guys, well, I say old guys, but they're like 17, 18 now to Prince George. They were like competing on the Canada Cup against each other, like an 18 year old and a 13 year old. Um, so it was like, that's a little bit of a shock for them, but it all worked out. Like yeah, they're all super good friends. They all hang out together at like the competitions. They travel together for events and stuff. Like they went to Lax last spring to go ski up there um, with our head coach. So it was like pretty amazing. That would have been a big culture change for those athletes that went because they've never traveled like that. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, like, and I think if I can really think of one, I think the biggest culture change was when we went not for profit, when the club kind of separated itself from the resort um, and again, with the resort support to allocate us permission to operate at their facilities, like call it free of charge. It's not like we have to pay $10,000 a year to be up there. Um, but we host events and stuff. So that brings them some good benefits and recognition. Um, so I think that was kind of a change for us to be fully implemented on our own, paying our own coaches and things like that and getting our own like workers compensation and like having to fulfill roles of doing HR amongst coaches and dealing with athletes and stuff, it all falls on us now on the board um, as opposed to the resort, right? Um, so I think that was a big culture change, mm -hmm. but all for the better, really, because um, we're kind of liable for our own undoings now. <laughs> and <Yeah>. not <laughs> else. Um, well, so that's the big one. It's like, I'd love to see like, a larger diversity in our culture of skiers but i think us growing up in canada it's gonna kind of be more i have to say like white people doing it and i'd like to see more people coming out of the woodwork but it's not something that i would say like tickles their fancy it's like such a weird culture shock to them um so when i was at thompson rivers university is awesome with the ski club we would take like like beginner skiers and first-time skiers out and we kind of do all the coaching ourselves as just like peers with them hanging out and that saved on lessons and things like that. But it was awesome for them. And that was a culture shock for sure. And like they, people would show up in jeans and you're like, ooh, jeans and skiing. Hmm, we need to rethink this right now. And then even for us within the club, it was like, okay, now we need to send out a memo to be like, you need a snow jacket, you need mittens, you need a toque, a balaclava, you need good warm socks, not like rinky dinky ankle socks. And snow pants. So, like, we, again, within running that, it was like super fun how we developed and changed it for the cultures within Thompson Rivers University and to kind of accommodate them. And it was an awesome program. And I love teaching them how to ski and getting them out there. Honestly, I don't know if they ever went again, but it was just like for them, it was the experience, really, right? I think it, I think it takes time because it's like, you know, it's when a space hasn't been built for someone for so long, it's easier for you people like, for them just to not come again rather than like, Oh, I'm going to push against the norm. But I think like the, I know uh, Juju um, with color of the trails and then inclusive or Skivity um, are doing some cool stuff out in um, Vancouver area and Whistler. Um, so I think it'd be cool to see um, yeah. more come out. 
that brings up a thought like uh, Seven Peaks, there's this awesome snowboard program for the indigenous population up there. Um, and it's a, it's a huge group of snowboarders that come out on the weekends to snowboard. And I just kind of thought, I was like, ooh, I wonder if any of them would like to come ski and like, or try skiing, right? And even have like some of the coaches facilitated from the freestyle club, maybe even the snow school to like kind of come together and be like, oh, let's like take the snowboards out skiing and just have them try something new, right? Um, yeah. Because you never know, like, I've had one athlete, um, he was like a good snowboarder, came to skiing and thrived at skiing. And he's like, I'm done snowboarding kind of thing. So I was like, maybe that could swing like somebody to come join the freestyle club. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> well, I did. I did that. I snowboarded all my life and, you know, out in Saskatchewan and was just like local sponsored um, for snowboarding. But then stopped doing it when I moved out to Calgary because I didn't have anyone to like same skill level to snowboard with. So then I was like, you know, I'd go do a double black and. I'd be down in three runs and my friends are tomahawked at the top double double ejection i'm like yeah this isn't too fun so then in university i decided to switch to skiing and mm -hmm. then i think that was probably like 2013. okay um, and then never never looked back because it's like you know the snowboard progression is it it sucks at the start and then once you like figure it out like i can still flatland five on my snowboard without even trying and it's like <laughs> where skis i can't like spinning a five is impossible for me um but i say it's like you know i switched to skiing because i now can traverse flat spots don't aren't a pain in the butt i don't get a wet butt for doing up my bindings and when i have to look after two skis to land on anything it's always more challenging than landing on a a, a board that is 150 millimeters wide <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah skiing you have a good base of support that's for sure yeah yeah spin it landing on 72 millimeter skis is and two of them is always more challenging and then sliding sideways is always more challenging than <laughs> a board slide because it's just your natural like that's just basically stopping yeah. <laughs> i'm probably going to get called out by some snowboarders after this podcast goes live but <laughs> That's okay. Um, as and we I say, and oh. I love snowboarding too, and I was thinking for the skis, they're just like narrow ass snowboards. That's all they are. Yeah, hundred um, <laughs> percent. Just really tiny ones that you have two of them. But it, yeah. oh, and it's also nicer to have twenty more um, centimeters of length. So, like on a ski, I'm a one eighty. On a snowboard, I'm like a one sixty. And it's like that yeah. stability on ice and going fast is just next level. Yeah, um, and I'm a huge advocate for snowboarding. Like. We have an awesome coach in our snowboard programs. Um, when I was skiing, like if I had a day where I didn't have to coach, I'd go with the snowboard team and go snowboard with them and go through the park or go find some pal and have some cliffs, which is always super fun. I, I love snowboarding. The one thing that I don't necessarily love is the park. Skis, I will always be better at the park. But with snowboarding, it's like powder. Nothing beats surf and pow on a snowboard. Yeah. Skiing yeah. paddle is okay, but nope, I'll take snowboard and pow any day. Half the time I'll go to the ski hill with my board and my skis. I'll go lap pow on the snowboard. And once it's tracked out and it's like bombed out and it's just like rutted everywhere, then I'll go put the skis on because then I can <laughs> charge through it and I have fun doing that on the skis. On the snowboard, I want to go surf. I like doing it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that beats big slashy pow turns on a snowboard. Oh, exactly. And, but again, to like, pick up the snowboarding and progress to that. It like takes time. Whereas like skiing, it's like the minute you can do like a little snow plow and like pizza down the hill, you're good to go. You could go anywhere on a snowboarding. You got to get your turns in and then 
kind of it takes a while to build off of that even so it's well like, and you gotta you gotta bruise your tailbone 10 times and potentially fracture your wrists <laughs> <laughs> um, but as we as we wrap up what final message would you like to share with our listeners about finding good days in their own lives and pursuits well i hope the listeners enjoyed listening to me rant on hopefully we get to do it again um yeah i don't know i always like try like i like your motto like try to find the good and the bad like the worst day i had in a long time is when my knee exploded on me and like compound fractures tore on ligaments and everything even after i did it i tried to ski i was like this can't be that bad and i was like nope cannot ski and just like kind of skied on one leg got to the group of athletes like i gotta call myself a sled you all just go lap no flips play it safe by the time you get back to me my sled would have arrived um <laughs> I, I looked on the good and within that moment because then i chatted with the patrol and i was like hey i know you got to take me to the bottom like since we're in the park like can we just roll through the park and i can watch all the athletes do all the jumps and they're like oh yeah like we got to go through the park i was like oh awesome as long as you're like okay to pause so i can watch them like let's go do it and then they all showed up and then they got to all go do their tricks and go for lunch and it was like that kind of made it into a good day like and i got in the hospital and got looked at and everything and i'm sorted out now so it's like i was like have to think towards the future for good days too like that moment might be really bad but it's like, look towards the future it's like february 10th i'll hopefully get the approval from the doc to be like you can go skiing tomorrow and hands down i go and ski in that next day put my knee brace on and off i go but it's really a matter of like yeah you always got to like look like within the present moment and i'm a big advocate of being in the present within that flow well, state but like in in that bad moment there's got to be a good too and it's like well at least i didn't like break my neck or at least i'm not a paraplegic and i know some people are paraplegics and like turned it around for themselves and went to the Olympics and things like that. So it's like incredible to see what people can take from a bad day and how they can turn it around into a good day. I just got to look on the positive light of things. Like look on the bright side of life. Oh, such a good one. Look on the bright side of life. Well, and I, I bet you it, it showed you like how strong the community is that you built. Like, right. Like without you having your knee injury, you wouldn't have got to see like what your community has done because of everything that you've put into it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, most certainly. So it's like, yeah, there's always like some good and the bad of everything kind of thing. But it's like just to make the best of what you can do kind of thing, right? And just yeah. look on the bright side of life. Oh, it's just yeah. Well, when thing. when life gives you gives you lemons, you make lemonade, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And margaritas. <laughs> yeah, margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> that one's better. But yeah, <laughs> thanks for joining tonight. No problem, Jared. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and I hope we get to do it again. 100%. Awesome. Have a good night. You too. Take care.